Hello, and welcome to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. And we are back for yet another episode of News, Politics, and our large, large, Erica. Huge. Huge. No, huge. No, large dose of irreverence. Large dose of irreverence. Large. Large dose. I really need a lot of irreverence this week, Robert. Talk to me. Talk to me. I just, whenever I think the news can't get any crazier or stupider or that like our government can't possibly be more inept, I watch the news the next day and it's more stuff that is just nonsense. And uh, so I'm actually, I'm excited for our new segment that we're going to do in today's show. I know we're not doing it right now. Hint folks. uh, It's basically. You have to stay tuned. It's a, it's, it is going to, we're, it's, it's WTO, WTO. So you're going to have to make sure you stay tuned for segment two today. And we don't mean World Trade Organization, just in case you're checking. Mm, Good point. All right. So, so government ineptness. I want to talk about the Pentagon Papers leaks. I know it's, interestingly enough, it is faded from the news cycle. So quickly. It may. So quickly intentionally right but here's the thing i mean it's been covered three ways from tuesday right yeah so i don't want to bore everybody who's listening but i got two questions here well actually there's two takeaways here which no one's talking about the first takeaway is and i don't know if you read them but i'm one of those geeks i read so i don't watch the news on tv but i read all sorts of stuff yeah do you realize that we have troops on the ground in the ukraine yes okay Did anybody know that before the leak? You know, I think all of us that have sentience and uh, weren't born yesterday. You need to define sentience. Define um, sentience for me. Well, you know. Big word. You know, I don't think well with big words. (laughs) I I like those eighth grade words. Any of us who who have a brain and weren't born yesterday knew that there's no way all we're doing is sending money over there. All we're doing is giving them some arms. So, so to me, uh, I think these Pentagon papers actually just confirmed everything. All of us already knew anyway. Well, wait, wait a minute. Someone needs to explain to me Mm. how a 21 year old Jack Mm. Teixeira, by the way, is his name. Yeah. A 21 year old, Air National Guard first class, which is like the third, I think, second or third lowest rank. He's basically an IT tech, right? How does a 21-year-old Air National Guard, even with security clearance, get access to this information? And by the way, it's not just that he had access to it. This is some of the information that was put in front of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I don't know if you, what you know about intelligence, gathering, or, or prepping reports. Yes. But um, there's a whole lot of compartmentalization that goes on for exactly this reason that people, you know, that the government's supposed to make sure that this stuff doesn't leak out, right? Exactly. Because, this, because when you look at the volume of what was leaked out, and it wasn't just papers, it was photographs over, what, four or five months? Yes, Right. Yep. It's this was uh, sort of deal, a Julian with, Assange yes. kind of kind of leak. Right. And we'll get into what's yeah. in it in a second. But are you if you really are going to tell me or if the government is going to tell me that this guy acted alone, 
Yeah. What's my old line that there's a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you? <laughs> well, and notice, I'm, I don't know if you noticed, Robert, the thing that's most disconcerting about me to me about this whole situation is the way the press is handling it. So so now apparently it's the job of the press. Remember, remember, we're not allowed to call them the enemy of the people. But now the press, instead of <laughs> protecting and cultivating a source, they actually went and did the investigation, found the kid, and turned him over to the military. I, I, I that to me is the most disturbing part of this whole story. All of what came out to me personally, I'm like, yeah, I, we all kind of knew that. Our government is corrupt. The military is a bunch of liars. Um, they always lie. No one should be surprised that they don't want a peace agreement in 2023 and they plan to extend this war into 20. None of us are stupid. But apparently the press thinks we're stupid enough to not notice that they've turned on their sources and they've turned on the American people and have gone state's witness, essentially. Okay, and I and I get that I'm probably not a hundred percent where you are. I certainly mm. believe there's a military industrial complex, but I'll tell you my I'm still on this whole cover up thing, right? Mm. And the, first of all, they found this kid, the young man. Sorry, I mean that age. I'm three times his age, so to me, he's a kid. He's but a kid. They but they found this guy in lightning speed. Yeah, and you want the surefire sign that this was a cover up? This wasn't broken by the Department of Justice. This wasn't broken by the FBI. This was broken by the Washington Post and the New York exactly. Times. Exactly. Exactly. So if it's broken by the new by these by the way, these guys couldn't find a journalistic story if you handed it to them. Right? The, half of the, half right. of these people half of these people are are actually CIA operatives in in Ooh. my personal opinion. Um, a, well, who's the journalist? The journalist that broke the story, now I'm trying to remember, basically like a bunch of his reporting is just leaked documents from the CIA. So somehow this journalist just happens to come across a bunch of information from the CIA that he can then write about and get um, uh, Pulitzer Prizes and things like that. Wait, no, no, wait a minute, but he didn't find this. So so look, the, the backstory is probably that the one of the intelligence agencies, because again, here's the other thing. The, the documents that were leaked were not just from one of the 18 intelligence agencies, let's call it the CIA. They mm. were leaked from across. It, again, it was a composite of documents. Yeah. Right. And pictures and photos. Oh, so yeah. this guy, it wasn't that um, the CIA came to them, although that would be right. That would be the story. Right. That would be what one would think. If the New York Times and the Washington Post, I like WAPO better because that just sounds to fit them better because they're really more about sound than words anyway. Um, it's a whole different discussion, but um, <laughs> so it did they, did someone in the intelligence community say, Hey, we got the story to break. Oh, we're going to find this guy at lightning speed. Yeah. And, and yeah, we're going to convict him. I, I get that. And all of a sudden it's off the front page. And I the, think, here's the, here's I think the, it was an intentional leak. I think that somebody probably like, like you said, this kid, he's he's not got a high clearance. You know, he's the third lowest rank and yet somehow has the highest security clearance that there is. So he's the third lowest rank in the Air Guard, but he has the highest security clearance. Yeah, but wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Even with that, 
he couldn't have gotten all this stuff by himself. This, exactly. This is, so I'm told, yeah. Even with, even with that security, it's not the way they compile the documents. It's, it's not the way it works. It has to be this, this feels like an op to me. It just feel it. If it looks like an op, it smells like an op. It's an op. Well, wait, so, so again, I have a different spin on this. Right? Okay. My take, right. my take on this is a little different because I agree with you. It's either one of two things. It's either a, a, a story that's intentionally planted to yeah. lead, you know, Russia astray or our enemies astray, but that gives them a little mm. too much credit. I think they're covering their, their, am I allowed to say, well, I was going to say covering their rear end. <laughs> I think they're covering their rear end. I mean, look at it this way. And we've talked okay. about this whole Ukraine Russia war before. Yeah. And there, there is no reason someone needs to explain to me what our national interest is in troops on the ground. And we've, and here's what I think they're protecting. Those leaked documents show that we've spent a hundred billion dollars and and unlike the rosy picture that we're being given that oh mm. Russia's collapsing you know here are all the casualties Russia's gonna lose Russia's gonna lose that's what they're letting us to believe so therefore our hundred billion dollars is being well spent when in fact these documents make it pretty damn clear that not only the, that Ukraine is going to lose this war and the only question is when part of it is a supply mm. of weapons, part of it is Russian superiority. So I think contrary to what you said, I don't think it's a plant. I, mm. I that would give them way too much credit. Right. I, I just, okay. you know, okay. I think that, that this is a cover up after the leak that shows that a hundred billion dollars of the taxpayers dollars are being wasted. The war is not going to be winnable. They, yeah. they disclose we have troops on the ground. Right. They don't certainly have an exit strategy. This will this will become Biden's Vietnam, God forbid, but it will. Right. Yeah. And what they're now trying to do is damage control. They find this guy at lightning speed. They're going to convict him. And look, he does deserve to be convicted. I mean, what he did as much as, you know, he exposed that the emperor has no clothes yet again and we're being lied to. So I support that. On the other hand, there are rules and there are consequences and there is supposed to be one rule that applies to all. So I think this is a cover-up to show the ineptness and failure of the $100 billion investment, which was why my guess is somebody, I mean. Well, what do you mean it's the, a cover-up? What do you mean? How can it be a cover-up if it exposes it? Are well, you saying a them a making a scandal out of the kid is the cover-up or like. No, the, what, well, the, the cover-up is the, is the intentionality of the act. In other, in hmm. other words, once once the not the well well the act is is finding him i think okay. the leak was for real i don't know who contributed to the leak but there's okay. no way that a 21 year old airman first air national guard or airman first class jack Deshera, yeah got gets his hands on all these documents without help from the inside so okay. number one who did he get the help from that's cover yes. up number one um that, uh, that they're trying okay. to say that it's not only it. this little young kid and oh we got the kid and we got him in record time, which, by the way, they can't find who leaked the um, the uh, Roe v. The, Wade, the Roe v. The Wade Dobbs decision. decision in the Supreme Court. And oh, there's but only you can like find, 12 people. Right. But you can find this guy. Right. So number. So that's we cover still don't up, know who one. planted the bombs on January right. 6th. There is there are a number of things right. that you guys should be able to. Anyway, I digress. Go ahead. No, Go that's ahead. OK. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I digress more than you do. Ugh, so it is, uh, so terrible, Robert. It just but, it's in I get incensed. But okay. the second cover-up in all of this is they were exposed. It was laid out nakedly clear that in these 
documents that our intelligence assessment is that Ukraine is losing this war with a the likelihood they will lose, both based on you know manpower and weaponry, number right. one, that $100 billion, i.e. military industrial complex, somebody needs to explain to me why we're really there, is going, you know, is going to be wasted, right? So yeah. the, those, those are the things. Oh, and by the way, the other little thing that was in one of these documents that nobody's talking about, hello, China tested a hypersonic yeah. medium-range ballistic missile. And yep. so that's why, by the way, I never watch the news anymore. You know, that's I like Fox just... News. I used to watch them all. I used to watch Fox. First, I'd watch Fox for a while. And then I'd watch, you know, M um, CNN. And then I'd watch the communist station, MSNBC, right? Okay. <laughs> get a little dose of everything. You get a little dose of, you know, me, me and me and, you know, Rachel Maddow are like this, right? <laughs> you can't see that on radio, but I'm crossing my fingers. We're like this. So, um, but it's gotten to the point where I can't, I can't watch any of it anymore. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's sort of the way I look at the government. I don't want the government to give me a, you know, fish, give me a fishing pole. I'm going to get my own fish. It's the yeah. same thing with news. I'm going to look at the different sources. I'm certainly going to check where it comes from. And obviously I'm going to wait it more from some sources than from other ones. But China, you know, and again, you know, we spent a whole lot of time on China in other, in other um, segments and prior shows, but the whole China issue, China is developed, has tested a mid range, right? I think it was like 2000, 2000 kilometer, a yep. mid range hypersonic missile, which is five times the speed of sound, and that we really can't track it. And so, okay, the Pentagon, and by the way, the Pentagon papers were really Daniel Ellsberg back in the Nixon days, but this is mm. sort of like Pentagon papers redux or Pentagon right. papers too. Yeah. But where's um, where's the coverage of the China of the Chinese hypersonic missile test? They don't want to talk about any of that. They don't want to talk it about the, the that um, it appears like uh, homeboy over in Ukraine has embezzled 400 million of the funds that we've sent over. They don't want to talk about China planning to give support and weapons to Russia. Uh, what else? What I mean, they're not the, the press isn't covering any of it. <clears throat> which is really shocking. And most importantly, the fact that the Biden administration has been lying to the American people. I think that's one of the things yeah. that you that you touched on that is so important. They are actively lying and justifying spending billions and billions of dollars on an unwinnable war. And, you know, just as we, you know, uh, clumsily fall out of Afghanistan and just let that country fall into absolute chaos, Marines dying and the whole bit. You're now in a new unwinnable war in, in Asia and, and it's contributing to uh, our former allies, good or bad people like Saudi Arabia talking about getting into business with China and Russia instead of us. And so, you know, if, uh, if there was a vote today for uh, America's worst president in history, <laughs> I, I, uh, Biden has to be right up at the top with people like Jimmy Carter uh, and, and some other folks. Because, good golly, uh, I, I, uh, how much worse can it get? This is what I said at the beginning of the I, show. Wait. Like. Did it's you just 
<laughs> were you just wait, wait? Were you just at a loss for words for I'm a moment? Never speechless. Wait a minute. I'm... Okay, ladies and gentlemen, whatever on a Thursday at whatever time it is in whatever part of the country you're listening to, whatever, you know, write this day down. Erica was at a loss for words. And and you do know that, and I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to go there. You do know that Ukraine is not in Asia. Russia is. China is. Are, oh, ooh, ooh, touche. Okay. I stand, ooh, I stand corrected. So okay. we're like we are in another land war again in Europe, Asia, well, whatever. It's just like none of this is going to go well. None of this is going to go well. And and I personally, um, I, I'm a person who thinks Julian Assange should have been parted, pardoned. Um, I think that the fact that I, I think President they would prefer Trump him pardoned. Usually, pardoned. his like head from his neck. Uh, oh, yeah. Exactly. If they had it their way, they would want him parted and not pardoned. I just <laughs> had to put that out there. So, and I, I personally think that was one of the biggest failures of the Trump presidency. Um, I am, I am so anti-government. I had this conversation with somebody today. It was really funny. They said, Erica, you're so anti-government, but you ran for Congress. And I was like, that's why I ran for Congress. I want to fix it because as of right now, it like uh, everybody's, we're in a hot war with Russia that is unconstitutional. It's illegal. Uh, uh, the, the Congress Good did point. not authorize war. So I, is this war crime territory? Oh my God. I'm going to well, get, wait, I'm gonna wait get, a minute. Oh, okay. oh. Wait, wait. I, I, I know we pushed your, your button, your hot button or hot buttons. Cause I know mm. you have several, mm. but on this one, you know, the whole, I get it. But when's the last time that Congress approved of a war? Oh yeah, this has been so. I'm trying to Come remember. On. I don't remember. It was like 20 years ago, wasn't it? Like they, they didn't approve a they, war. They no, it war. was. Uh, wait, was it Iraq or something? Now I'm trying they to remember. Didn't approve I can't that remember. one either. It's been that long. Go back in your history. So I want. So I'm going to give you Vietnam. Some homework. Didn't approve that one either. <gasps> Korea. Well, I mean, Gulf of Tonkin resolution. Actually, I'm going to have to check if the Gulf of Tonkin oh resolution was actually World War a declaration. II. I, I, no, I was going to say, say the Korean conflict or the conflict on the Korean Peninsula might have been. Actually, I got to check that one. I, I think Gulf of Tonkin might have been. Right? Benjamin we'll, is we'll saying see. World War II. He's probably he, right. That was World War II. World so, War II. so e either way, there. How many? Okay. So, by the way, Lord Benjamin is always right. Just so we're clear on that, everybody. Okay. Behind you know, the scenes, making exactly. it happen. He, uh, the reason she looks, well, uh, the reason I look good and she looks better is because mm. of him. So just, you know, we sound all, even all hail better. to Lord Benjamin. Okay. Okay. We've just plugged him. That's good. <laughs> Let's go back to the military. So might be World War II. I thought it, I thought it was the, comp, the Korean conflict. It is World War either II. way, yeah. how many military conflicts has this country been engaged in? without following the constitutional principles that Congress and only Congress can declare war. Yet we have now engaged in, and by the way, I guess here's the question. We have special forces on the ground and several nations do. We have the most, I think now it's up to 50 and I know, well, what's another 50? Yeah. Who cares? But the truth is I care. You care. The American people care. Yeah. We have combat troops on the ground. Well, they're not engaging in fighting. They're just training the Ukrainians. You really want to live on that difference? We have people on 
We have Americans on the ground in a hot war zone against Russia without, again, defining what's the goal, how do you define That's victory, right. and how do you get out? And, and going back, one last thing, going back to Afghanistan, right? You now have the Biden administration saying two things that no one's calling them out on. On the one hand, this was a successful withdrawal, which we know is, a, is just a bunch of crap because it wasn't and pictures don't lie, mm -hmm. right? Um, and when you see the, the, um, the rebels, right, walking around now with U.S. uniforms on and hoisting, you know, U.S. Art, you know, U.S. artillery and U.S. weapons, you know it wasn't a successful withdrawal. Mm. Yet at the same time, they're blaming the unsuccessful withdrawal on Trump. And you kind of go, well, you know, you can't have it both ways. But you, you definitely cannot. And speaking right. of calling people out, Robert, we would love to get your feedback. Everybody listening, uh, tell them where they can write to us and let us know what they think. Well, Erica is protected. So if you want some feedback, and we'd love to hear your feedback, I can I can handle the good, the bad, and the ugly. I got the ugly part down really well. Robert C. at ASICfund.org. That's Robert C. as in churning. At ASIC, A-C-E-K-F-U-N-D dot O-R-G. Let me know what you think about it. And by the way, I'm assuming, Erica, that means we have to go to break to earn That's some right. money, being the true capitalists that we are. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with WTO in our next segment. The politicians in Washington don't care about you. While they argue and bicker and do nothing, our country is falling apart. And our cherished freedoms, they're being stripped away one right at a time. It's time to do something about it. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is fighting back to restore America. Join us in our fight to defend American exceptionalism and defend the Constitution. Go to ASICfund.org to learn more. That's A-C-E-K-F-U-N-D dot O-R-G. Do it now. Hello. Welcome back to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. Thanks for staying with us. In this segment, WTO. Mm. It really should be WTF, but we can't really go Are there. Are we allowed so, to say that? No, we didn't. So it's WTO. It's not. <laughs> it, it's where's the outrage? So where? Where's the outrage? segment, I read lots. Of, it, it's like you go from outrageous article to outrageous article mm -hmm. to outrageous article. So yeah. my first outrage is the DOJ, the Department of Justice, finally finally arrested a few people in New York City for the police department that China opened in Chinatown in New York City to make sure that their um, residents were not preaching against communism. So wait, what? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, clearly, I didn't read my notes well enough. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's what we call a little sidebar. We were just sort of going that because but no. Th so the so first the first thing is my my sort of sense of outrage is first of all what took you so long department of justice How? china has been operating police stations not only in new york city and not only in other cities around the country but in japan in canada you in like brazil CC, in, like like hold on yeah. hold on Robert, i'm sorry so like ccp has ccp has has independently operating police stations where they're like 
policing Chinese nationals. Correct, except they don't call them that, right? And okay. and, they, and they certainly, um, you know, they, you know, they, they, it's cultural exchange or whatever innocuous sounding title they give it. Okay. But the DOJ finally arrested two of them and charged them under under the under you know I forget what the exact act was, but this has been going on for so long. So to me, it's like, what took you guys so long? So the out <laughs> the outrage is where you know where you been. Right. I mean, it's it's just incredible. But that's really not where I want. I know you okay. didn't read your notes, but that's okay. not really where I wanted to go. for. Outrage, OK, we're right? going to have to come back to this topic. Oh, it's it's massive. And it goes on. I mean, what about our national sovereignty? Can you imagine if we opened the police station I mean, to I'm monitor not... American nationals, U.S. nationals in China? Oh, my God, that would never I happen. Mean, but I, I it mean, also doesn't what... surprise me. I mean, they have all these people like in the universities and oh, people that they're paying off to give them information. So it makes sense that they would have some kind of a presence here. But if we've known about it and didn't do anything for years, for wild. years, we've known about it. And by the way, What's the guy's name? The the Wall Street Journal reporter who's in the jail in Russia. Um, I forget his name. But if we tried to open a police station, a covert one in China, a they would know about it, right? Yeah. Because when you go to China and you're a foreign national, they have someone following you around all the time anyway. And folks, if you don't know that, those are the facts. You we'd end up in jail like that too. But I, what I really want to talk about under really the main where's the outrage? Okay, so this is outrage so, number two. Okay. Well, this all, that was sort of like half an outrage, but outrage okay. number two is: Have you been following those teen takeover thing, the flash mobs <sighs> that generate on social media? Happened in Chicago, happened in L.A. Reminiscently, looked a lot like Black Lives Matter protests during the summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. Right? The police were outnumbered, and they were you know a couple of people killed, a uh, couple of people arrested. I think 10 or 14 in in, um, in Chicago. But here's the thing. Uh, Brandon Johnson, the mayor-elect, you know what yeah. he says? Well, yeah. we shouldn't vilify the teens because they. we just need to be able to create safe spaces for them to act responsibly and, and have yeah. a safe place that they can go. Yeah, except that all the places are leaving the city because y'all are letting rampant criminality and destruction of property who would want to have a store or invest in a place where the people who live there are allowed to just destroy it and steal your stuff and face no repercussions? Right. Uh, look, the, look, and, and then the current mayor, Lori Lightfoot, comes out and has the audacity, and we're not talking, ladies and gentlemen, about the audacity of hope. It's really the audacity of hypocrisy. She she comes out and said that ultimately, parent and I'm paraphrasing, parents are responsible for their children's actions and knowing where they are and making sure that they're not getting into trouble. And again, I am paraphrasing, <laughs> but the whole concept was she laid the responsibility with parents. And I'm going like, well, let me see if I got this right. So these are the same people who say you're responsible for, you know, when your kids do something violent, but you're not responsible enough to know what they're being taught in school. You're not mm. responsible enough to know, you know, when they want a sex change operation or get an abortion, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're not responsible for any of that, but you're responsible because your children under with social media have all these flash mobs. And I'm going like, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. 
Where's oh, yeah. the outrage? Well, and so, that's so the, come the, back to where's the outrage? I, I just I don't get it. Well, that's the whole thing where you know, like uh as an example, if I, I'm out with my family, right? Right. And um and maybe uh, my sister is is doing something embarrassing. Like maybe she's, I don't know. I mean, I don't get embarrassed, but maybe, you know, your family member is being embarrassing. And you go, oh, well, that, you know, that's your sister. Or I'll say to my mom, well, it's she's your daughter, right? Like taking no responsibility for the fact that we're, we're actually related. Um, right. So it's, you know, it's easy to claim your your family or your community when they're doing a great job and they're killing it and they make you look good but uh nobody wants to take responsibility when things look ugly and are going terrible that is always someone else's fault so uh like a good politician <laughs> both the current and former mayor uh, are blaming the other people, whether it's the parents, they're blaming Walmart. They're saying Walmart's racist because they're closing their stores and leaving. Like, oh, because we're supposed to just stay here and let you steal from us. Ha! Right. Yes. Yeah. I, it's what I've said. We're all racist now. So Everyone that's my where's the outrage number two. Yeah. So where's the outrage number three? Mm. And this is not in your notes either. Where's the outrage number three is, you know, um, you know that Anheuser-Busch has lost about $5 billion of net yeah. worth because people are now getting smart and they are voting with their pocketbook or their wallet, right? right. So they've yeah. lost about $5, million cap, $5 billion cap value. So yeah. what do they do? They come out with this, you know, uh, Pox Americana ad with the Clydesdale, who doesn't love oh, Clydesdale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they come out they and even they reference 9-11. Yeah. Right, all, 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 mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and you sit there and you and you just wonder who's making these decisions. And again, where's the where is the blatant the outrage over the blatant pandering? To I mean, look, you want you want to go woke, go woke. You want to you want to you know pay homage to the gods of woke consequences. Have at it. But again, you know, other than some stuff you'll see on social media, not covered. Where's the outrage? Yeah, I I, I, I just don't get it. Robert, my favorite part is that there are folks like uh, Don Jr. Uh, and other famous Republicans who are like, oh, you guys, wait, this is one corporation that really supports Republicans. You know, they they really donate to Republicans and conservatives and they're really about America. You know, 60 percent of their donations go to Republicans. And I was like that. Oh, so sl slightly more than half makes them a conservative right-leaning donor are you joking right now okay so your concern is for political donations from this corporation uh so what so what you want us to do is you want uh you want conservatives to wait to do a boycott on a company that isn't right-leaning and won't give two cares whether or not we buy their stuff or not the point of this whole thing is that they are being punished for insulting their very customers and then coming out and calling them names and acting like they're bad. It, it boycotts only work if that company has something to lose. So I think that any, um, any conservative pundits who are coming out saying that, uh, Anheuser-Busch should not suffer the consequences 
of their decisions. Uh, again, I would just have to, I, I just would, would be curious, um, when should we stick up for ourselves? When should the American right start to t stand up and say, no, we're done with you. We're done with this corporate nonsense. And we've had enough. What, when will my, it be my response is simple. When shouldn't we? We should always stand up for what we believe in. We should always vote. We should look there. Look, and I have to admit, I do occasionally buy things on things like Amazon because mm. I am a creature of convenience. But I but you have to be aware of where you're spending your money. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. If you are buying from a corporation that supports values, because corporations used to be apolitical, as they should be, and yes. they should concentrate on two things and two things only. One is the quality of the product that they put out, and two is return on investment to their That's investors right. or right. profitability, right? That whole, you know, mm -hmm. it's okay, you know, to be profitable, just, you know, spread it around. You know, you didn't build that company. Thank you, President Obama. Um, but <sighs> sorry, sorry, I had to go no, there. So, uh, so those are the only two things. Disney, these other these other corporations that have now gone woke, you know, America needs to vote, continue to stand That's up right. for what they believe in. And we're going to find out over time because I think the tide has turned, right? Another thing that there was the Super Mario uh, animated movie that just came out. I think it grossed, it's grossed almost $700 million. Mm -hmm. It is non-woke, family-oriented. It's like the leading animated i think in week two it did like 90 million dollars there's a reason that those right. kinds of things yeah are are so popular and are so successful and the remake of ghostbusters which was woke went broke and i can give you 30 of those kind of movies that have done that yeah there's a reason shows like yellowstone are so popular because they speak to the flyover country right you know what flyover country is it's the a part of the country that you fly over, according to AI. <laughs> you know, yeah. So that was a George Washington's White Horse question. It's, it's, I, 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 it's the coastal elites, you know, right. who only think that D.C., New York, and L.A. and San Francisco matter. Right. Um, right. And everything it, it, in between they don't care about. And, and that's, that's why I think right. dollar, this, you know, this dollar diplomacy is so important. It's why, you know, we canceled our Disney subscription. Uh, I oh, sure. refused to go to Burger King that had uh, openly anti-Christian uh, advertising. So I, I won't go to Burger King anymore. Even if it's the only option when we're traveling, I, I will avoid these kinds of places at all costs. How can I give my money to corporations who openly mock me and deride my religion, my faith, my family, my beliefs, um, you know, I I don't want to have to have a, a, a dual economy, but if, if you guys are going to make us do it, uh, then, I, you know, I'm just really grateful for all of the organizations, media organizations that are providing us with cultural options, uh, entertainment options that do not have all this nonsense in it, like you said, where I can go with my family and not worry about messaging. And I mean, <sighs> moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen, is remember, you don't just vote in November. And I know I'm preaching, but I can't help mm. it. You don't just vote in November. You vote mm. with your feet and you vote with your pocketbook. Mm. Mm. I love and, it. And that's all I have to say about that. Now, Erica, last Where's the outrage for this segment? I hope you're sitting down. 
Well, do you Please. remember the teacher? Oh, wait, are you going? Is you I'm going? going. No, oh, okay. No, no. Okay. I've got, no, any, if no, we have time no, any, at the end, I've got one too. Okay. All right. And I have to put on my glasses because I have to read this. So a group of international lawyers, right? Legal experts put together what's called the eight March principles for human rights based approach to criminal law, proscribing conduct associated with sex, reproduction, drug use, HIV, homelessness, and poverty. The short version of that is first of all, anything that sounds that long and sounds that banal, mm -hmm. you know it's a problem. But basically, mm -hmm. what it's come Suspicious. out to say is that is that sex with minors, if they consent, should be legal. Yep. And the UN has come out now and endorsed the whole sex with minors is okay because they know what they're doing. Now we're paraphrasing, folks. I was so outraged. It's, it's got no play in the press. It's yep. the it's the globalist again. And I got two words for you. Right. The first is Epstein. And the second is pedophilia. Right. Isn't that what. So I don't want to have to look up the dictionary, but isn't that pedophilia? So am I, I missing something? I, you know, last I knew uh, that was that was what that meant. Right. And I, I just it 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 harkens back, hearkening back to just what was it a week ago? Um, the 60 Minutes interview with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right. where uh, Leslie says, you know, why are you calling Democrats pedophiles? Why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, because they're not pedophiles. I'm paraphrasing y'all. OK. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene's like, uh, because they're sexualizing children. They want to talk about this and that and all of these things. And and Leslie saw all she can say is, oh, oh wow. You know, she's like at a loss for words because she pointed it out. Like, this is what you guys are doing. And so it's hard not to see, um, you know, and not that the UN are Democrats per se, but they do tend to, Democrats do tend to have the same sorts of belief systems, sorts of um, mm, constructed, constructed, construction of their belief systems. Let's just say that. They often agree, okay? Ugh. I, and then you tell us we're crazy for thinking that you guys are pedophiles and sexualizing well, children. Well, well, wait a minute. And, and I, I want to make a distinction. I don't think that they're pedophiles. I think they support it, right? Okay. I have no okay. proof. Of, I have no proof anywhere of anything that John Smith or Mary Jones or any of this politician is a pedophile. Let's be clear yeah, on you're that. You're right. You're right. You right. know what? You're right. What, what, right? So, you're right. But- if you look up the definition of pedophilia, right, which has been, you know, I think like all definitions under the God of wokeness, right? God of one of the things, one of the tenets of this new religion, the God of wokeism is they mm -hmm. redefine words. That's but right. if you look up, you know, three, four years ago, what pedophilia was, that's what this is. It's sexualizing children. It's endorsed by the United Nations. So, so essentially what it's saying is Where's that the outrage? young people can consent. Is that right? That's the, that's the gist of it. Well, no, minors what, no, have no. the ability to consent. No, it, it's it, more than that. It says they have a legal okay. right to do. Oh, oh. And that, and that's the real key here. So what they're basically saying is that, that they have the capacity to consent and they have the legal right to do it if they're under 18. So again, same hypocrisy, right? You don't have to repay your student loans, 
because you were not responsible for it. But you are you can again, we come back to what we talked about in our last yeah. show. Yep. So, but if you're 13 years old, you can consent and legally it's okay. You can have, you know, some someone who's overage can have relations, you know, sexual relations with you. Yes. And that's okay. And it's not just a question. Look, it's not even a question of what we're, you know, who's doing it or not doing. It. It's that the United Nations has come out in support of this and it's getting no play in the press. No surprise there. Shocker. And if you look up the, I mean, if you're set, you're, so they can change their gender. They can get yep. horm, you know, hormone blockers yep. and that's okay. You can't know what's going on in their surgeries, right? Yep. You can get all that stuff going on. And now you have the leading international organization in the world. I'm not going to get into what I think of the UN, but I think you could figure it out. Oh, um, uh, ooh, if we you could tried do a really whole hard. show on the UN. And, and they, and they endorse, I mean, again, I want to go, I want to go back to now that I've laid this out there for everybody. Yeah. And you're going to have to give me a time check if we're running late. So this is what it's called. It's the, the eight principles, the eight March principles for human rights-based approach to criminal law. First of all, that's what they're doing in Chicago, folks. How's that working for you there? Human rights-based approach to criminal law. That's really what they're talking about. And now they're addressing conduct associated with sex, reproduction, drug use, HIV, homelessness, and poverty. All the things that are out of control, except maybe HIV, because you have a we have you know maybe not a cure, but something that puts it in remission, right? So it's this banal-sounding document by these international legal scholars, the elite, as you would call them, yeah, backed by the United Nations that said th that minors have a legal right to consent, and it's okay. Oh my God! But you can't know what they're being taught in schools, folks. But you know, yep. I mean, where's the outrage? Oh my God, I'm I'm gonna be physic. I feel physically ill right now, Robert. So we're actually gonna need to take a break so I can collect myself. Okay, folks, we would love your comments. The good, the bad, the ugly. She's the good. I'm the ugly. We'll figure out who the bad is. <laughs> um, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Folks, you hear Robert and I talk about it on the show. Lord Benjamin Reddick and I published a book. It's called Reasons to Trust the Government. You can go to Amazon.com. It's just $9.99. And most importantly, we want you to leave a review. Make sure after you get the book, go back to Amazon and make sure to leave a five-star review and tell us what you think. Hello, and welcome back to Of the People. I'm Robert Chernin. Thank you so much for staying with us. In this section, I want to go back to basics. What's it all about? Why are we doing this? What's important? And I want to talk about a basic concept, at least in my life and hopefully in yours, and that's American exceptionalism. You know, you hear the words, America is exceptional, America exceptionalism, but what does that really mean? For starters, this show is called Of the People. And really, it should be called We the People, because that's really where American exceptionalism starts. In the words of Ronald Reagan, America equals freedom. And if it doesn't equal freedom, it's not America. And if I've learned anything in my years on this earth, it's that the freedom we have in America, or at least the freedom we had in America, is fragile. It's fragile, it's special, it's rare. And again, in the words of Ronald Reagan, who was, no disrespect to President Trump, 
certainly the greatest president in my lifetime. It's only one generation away from being snuffed out. If you forget your past, you're condemned to repeat it. More importantly, if we forget to teach our children the past and we teach our children about America and teach our children about the values upon which this country was founded, then, of course, freedom is going to wane. And if freedom wanes, so is America, the last beacon of light, right? The last hope for freedom in the world. So going back to American exceptionalism, American exceptionalism is on two concepts. One is that government derives its power from the governed. And what does that mean? It means the government is we're supposed to tell them what to do, not the other way around. It's pretty simple. The second is that we are endowed by our creator. That's God, ladies and gentlemen. That's our creator. You can call God Yahweh. You can call God uh, whatever you want to call him. But there's still the one God. And we all partake of that. And our creator endowed us with inalienable rights. That means rights that no one can take away. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are all freedoms. And again, remember, what makes America exceptional is that power flows from the bottom up. We're the ones who tell government what to do. And it's a pretty easy equation, right? Because the more government regulation there is, the less free that we are. And again, you'll forgive me because Reagan was that important in my lifetime, Reagan said in his final speech in office, which if you haven't seen it, you should. He said, as government expands, liberty contracts. It's pretty simple, isn't it? So American exceptionalism is the fact that what makes America exceptional is it was a free country. The power flows from the people to the government. The gov we're supposed to tell the government what to do. doesn't seem that way these days, but that's the way it's supposed to work. And the fact that we are banded together as a country not by common ethnicity, not by caste, not by clan, but by a common set of ideals. America was indeed founded with a religion. It was a civic religion. It was declared, no pun intended, in the Declaration of Independence. And those tenets, those are the things that make America exceptional. Again, it's about freedom. America equals freedom. Freedom of what? Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to congregate. I mean, there's a reason at the height of COVID. I mean, think about what we've just gone through for the last three years with COVID. What we went through was, number one, a lot of misinformation, of course, because COVID was going to be like Stephen King's The Stand and the plague that killed the world. So everyone got scared and we got controlled by our fears. So we were told that we couldn't congregate in our churches or temples or in our uh, dining halls or taverns, right? We had to stay home. We had to wear the symbol of obedience, which were clearly the masks because science has shown that they really weren't effective at anything other than teaching us to be obedient and obey, right? That's what we were taught to do. Stay in your home. Don't congregate. Don't exercise your freedoms or you'll be punished, right? And you're going to rely on the government for all your information vis-a-vis uh, -vis the internet. But what they didn't tell you was that they were then going to control the internet, control what you saw or what you didn't see or what you hear or what you didn't hear. That is the antithesis of freedom.
Therefore, it's the antithesis of American exceptionalism. And again, remember that relationship. The bigger the government is, the less free that you are. And man is not free unless government is limited. That's why this is about smaller government. We talk about the swamp. We talk about the deep state, which, by the way, the deep state, ladies and gentlemen, is really nothing more than the administrative state. What's the administrative state? The, the, the thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of bureaucrats and unelected officials who, regardless of who the president is, regardless of who controls Congress, they're still the ones that are there that are implementing the laws. They are unaccountable to you, to me, to we the people or of the people. They're not elected. They stay there. They have such contempt for you and I because they're not accountable. And because they're also unionized, they can't be fired. Hell, they're faceless, they're nameless. We're now faced with a government that is weaponizing the government. They're weaponizing the, the FBI. They're weaponizing the Department of Homeland Security. They're, they're weaponizing the uh, Internal Revenue Service. All of these things to protect their base, which is their power. This is about power and this is about money. That's what's going on here. They're scared of us. And the reason they're scared of us, I mean, think about it. When Obama came into office, right, I used to say, you used to call it demagogue, demonize, and divide. And that's what he did. He, Lord knows he was a demagogue. He demonized those who disagreed with him, and then he divided us, rich from poor, men from women, black from white. He, he didn't see what joined us all together. He didn't see the common links, the common bonds. He certainly didn't see American exceptionalism. Whether intentional or not, and I would argue it was intentional, he divided us. He divided us into little pockets, and then he pit us against each other. And of course, when you're in little pockets and you're divided into these little parts, it's much easier for a small cadre or a small group to rule. That's what's going on. They are protecting their prerogatives, they're protecting their power, and they're protecting their base of power. If you go back to when the Constitution was written, you go back to the Federalist Papers. More importantly, go back to the Anti-Federalist Papers. Ben Franklin put forth a suggestion that government officials, if they were truly citizen politicians, should not be paid. Can you imagine that? Not be paid. Because the nexus of power and money in a position of government to be paid is why we have the problem today. That, of course, and there are no term limits. So the government, the politicians, the bureaucrats get to stay there year after year after year. And what makes matters worse is they're not subject to the same laws that you and I are. You do realize, ladies and gentlemen, that Congress doesn't have the same medical plan that you and I have. Plus, they get pensions for life. Now, there are many really good and decent congressmen, men and women, senators, men and women, but there are a lot of people who have a political agenda to make America into something that it's not. You know, it used to be when I was growing up, the real difference between the Democrats and the Republicans was not on the goals. It was just how to achieve the goals. And as important, politics did stop at the water's edge. But no more of that on either side, unfortunately. There are good Republicans and 
less or so, but there are good Democrats. But we really have a uniparty system that is more hell-bent on maintaining their base of power at the expense of our freedoms, at increasing the size of government to protect their base. That's what this is. It is the antithesis of American exceptionalism. And look, at the end of the day, the simple definition is American exceptionalism is about individual freedoms and personal liberties combined with personal responsibility. That doesn't exist anywhere in the world, anywhere but here. It's what makes us different from everyone else. The power flows from the bottom up. At least it's supposed to. But we also have a responsibility that we have forgotten. We have given our children to the schools to teach. It's up to us to teach our children, aided by the schools. But we've taken our eye off the ball there. So, of course, they're going to continue to push agendas. And that's why they don't want to be accountable to us. Because now the agenda that they're teaching is the antithesis of patriotism. It's the antithesis of American exceptionalism. It's the antith And they don't want us to be informed. It's the antithesis of all that we worked to build as a country in 200 years. We're allowing them to topple our statues. We're allowing them to rewrite history. Hell, we're allowing them to instill a new history in this country. America is not a perfect place. This is not about perfection. This is about our history. And you don't get to rewrite history. You're supposed to learn from history. And if you don't like history, great. That's good. Then you won't repeat the mistakes. But to rewrite it, and more importantly, to redefine it, to mean it's polar opposite, this definitional politics, now, now being racist is not being racist because there's systemic racism. Therefore, people who are racist aren't racist anymore. They're truth seekers. We go back to the ultimate relativism, right? One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. That is absolute, total, unadulterated crap. There is right and wrong in the world. There is good and evil in the world. It's important that we stand up and teach our children our history. All the good, all the bad. But not that America was born through original sin, in this case, slavery. Sure, slavery was a part of all of this, but it wasn't what defined us solely. And to now allow them to teach our children that everything is seen through the colored lens of race or creed or wealth we are allowing them to define who and what we are by rewriting history. And it's up to us to teach our children our history. If we forget what we did, we'll forget who we are. Actually, we have forgotten what we did because we're letting other people rewrite it. So, of course, we forget who we are. So, I want to ask you all the listeners a question. What does it mean to you to be an American? What does it mean? What freedom, what freedoms, what things that, that if they take them away will cause you to finally fight back, will finally to stand up and be counted, to say, I'm not going to take it anymore, right? What was the movie, Broadcast News? They put their head out the window and say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Where's the outrage, America? Why are you letting them rewrite our history? It's up to us to make sure that our children and the future generations understand our history, understand government, how it's supposed to work, separation of powers, not only within, uh, between branches, but within branches. And if you'll let me digress for a second. So most people think that 
America was really founded in 1776 with the Declaration of Independence. And there's no question that the Declaration was our defining document. And it laid out the civic religion that was America and American exceptionalism. America equals individual liberties and freedom, and the power is supposed to flow from the people to the government, and the people are supposed to tell the government what to do. But we didn't have the Constitution at that point. We had something called the Articles of Confederation, which basically was a loose confederation of states, and there was, a very, there was not a strong central government. And the states were preeminent. The federal government couldn't tax, they couldn't regulate interstate commerce, and they couldn't even put together an army, really. It, that's why there were all these state militias. At the time, we thought there was this new man, right, who walked the earth, called an American, who if all you did was remove the yoke of the British, this new man, this new American, this new race of Americans would do what was in the best interest of mankind. Eleven years later, they realized that didn't work really well. Their original assumption was wrong. America was... Not, was so when the... Constitutional Congress met in 1787. They originally, their mandate was to rewrite the Articles of Confederation, but they didn't do that. Instead, what they did was to basically acknowledge that our initial assumption was wrong, and so they crafted a constitution that was driven by compromise between branches within branches, right? And then they instituted the Bill of Rights because they wanted to make sure that these rights were enumerated for individual liberties, right? Obviously as embodied by the First Amendment. And the First Amendment is first for a very good reason, because it's most important. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. And we won't talk about the press abdicating their sacred responsibility, but I will tell you that Edward R. Murrow, may he rest in peace, is rolling over in his grave. That's for damn sure. So when the, Congre um, when the Constitutional Congress left. As the story goes, there was a woman who saw Benjamin Franklin and said to Benjamin Franklin, Mr. Franklin, what have you given us? His response was, Republic, madam, if you can keep it. If we can keep it is very much in question right now. Because before we are a democracy, and we're not really a democracy, right? We're a constitutional republic. Before we are a constitutional republic, we're a nation of laws. We have given government power over us. So now that the power doesn't flow from the people to the government, it flows from the government to the people, and they tell us what to do and not to do. It is the antithesis of individual liberties. It is the antithesis of American exceptionalism. That's what we're fighting for. And until the average American gets fed up and is willing to stand up, be counted, connect the red dots, and fight back, it is going to be an uphill battle to restore America because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an American restoration. We're conserving nothing. How can you conserve that which you've already lost? It's not possible. So when someone asks you what American exceptionalism is, it's simple. It's individual freedoms and personal responsibility. And in the words of Ronald Reagan, if we forget what we did, we forget who we are. And as government expands, Liberty contracts. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're fighting for, to restore individual liberties, to restore American exceptionalism. And it starts by teaching 
who we are, what we stood for, what we fought for, and frankly, what we've died for. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for indulging me. This is Robert Chernin of The People. Thanks for being here.